When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I wasn't so much that. I think, you know, um, it was just the, we have such great creators on this team. I just found myself in the right position. I was just trying to make the right play and um, try and finish as best I could. So it's a compliment to the other guys on the team getting me the ball in a great position. You know, Marcus, Kyrie, um, all those guys just looking for me and I appreciate it. <laughs> it felt like there was nothing he could do to make Celtics fans not like him with his, you know, gregarious personality and, and this, this saying the word blokes and all that and then took one elbow. And uh, unfortunately, he's going to have to, to re-endear himself. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Kyrie gets back out there pretty quickly and, and everyone will forget that Aaron Baines threw that, threw that elbow right in his, his kisser. Because other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? Use that. <laughs> the Australian Celtics fans are something. So, we, so Aaron Baines is going to actually open and close. We are going to be sandwiched in between him, <laughs> Mr. Forsberg. Hey, on episode number 236, the Celtics beat presented by Harry's. Harry's.com slash Celtics for a free trial razor set from our sponsor. Yes, it is free at Harry's.com slash Celtics. Just cover shipping. Have to appease the audience. We cannot troll the audience as uh, some terrestrial radio stations do here <laughs> in, in the uh, local market that many, uh, very fortunately for themselves, are not aware of. But we do sincerely do care so much about the audience because, after all, it is the audience with the support of our sponsors as to why we're able to do this show and cover the Celtics as, as to the degree in which we do. So a uh, small thing. We're actually, before we get really rocking and rolling, we have a contest ticket giveaway. We do it at once every single month next game is Wednesday, December 6th. Not the next Celtics game. That's today against Toronto at 3.30. Uh, but the next ticket giveaway, Wednesday, December 6th against the Dallas Mavericks. So to get into that contest, use the harrys.com slash Celtics promo code. Screenshot your receipt and then just email it to me, lhr at clnsmedia.com, lhr at clnsmedia.com. And then that's free entry into the tickets for Wednesday, December 6th. All right, Mr. Forsberg. Last week on this show, I said that there was no storyline to start for this season. Oh, I don't want to say, excuse me, there was no, there was no the storyline of the season. There was no primary storyline. The primary storyline was that there were so many storylines. Now, I think after one more week of games, I think we can rank them. Brad Stevens unequivocally being coach of the year is number one. The Celtics defense, Kyrie you know, Irving being in the MVP next, that's like 2A and 2B or whatever. Then you can go down the ladder a little bit, play the young players. Al Horford, when he was playing, we'll get into him. Yes, you know what? Actually, even Aaron Baines, playing exceptionally well against the Lakers. <laughs> really pandering to the Australian market. As we talked about after the game. But uh, Brad Stevens is the guy 13 games into the season. 
shouldn't they have just after after Friday's win? Shouldn't they have just like brought the coach of the year award onto the floor and let him just you know just call off the race? As it, what was astounding to me was uh, I'm sitting there and so after Kyrie goes out and that's what seventy seven million dollars worth of talent that he now doesn't have. I look at that. I look at the bench, and I'm counting up the rookies. And I think there's seven rookies, including Jabari Bird, who got emergency call up. You got Jason Tatum, who's presumably playing on one, like at least sore foot. Uh, the three guys that actually had NBA experience: Rozier, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart couldn't hit a shot. I think they shot 21% that night. And you got Shane Larkin, who wasn't even in, in the NBA last year, and s- somehow, despite being down double digits as much as 18 I think you know 15 around the late third Brad's sitting there in the huddle before the fourth quarter saying don't worry guys we're gonna come back this crowd's gonna get wild we're gonna we're gonna have a chance to win this game and they do and I I don't know it's just fascinating to me and I I know we we love to pump up our the coaches around here and say that you know how much impact they have and you know sometimes you step back and say well you know ultimately it's the players that got to go out there but I mean there's no doubt in my mind Brad is just he's a magician right now and I don't know how he sometimes picks the guys that he does and sometimes I sit there and say oh man he's leaning on that lineup a little too long this year it's worked and everything he's done is has has turned out the way he has wanted it to and I don't know at some point you just gotta step back and say man he, he he's doing some some serious voodoo out there well he's not missing 77 million dollars worth of players on Friday night uh According to our researcher, Greg Casoli, it was $76,333,930. So that's, that's to the cent. So not quite $77 million. Other um, than that. It, it is remarkable. I mean, just the concrete things that he does actually on the floor. I thought, you know, going to the, the three-guard lineup that he's done a few times, that was, pretty, that was the difference back on Friday night. I thought one of the things that he tends to stick with lineups so maybe a little bit too long, like he tries when guys lead the comeback – he wants to ride them, uh, like get, let them get to the to the point where they give him the lead. And sometimes, you know, I'm sitting there and listen. I'm no NBA coach, but I'm saying, man, maybe this is the time you roll Jalen back in, you move Marcus back in. Give him credit. He let those kids ride it last night. I mean, Yabuselli couldn't have messed up more in the second quarter, and he fearlessly goes back to him in the fourth quarter. I don't know. It's just it, it shows a lot of trust Brad has in his players. Guys respond to that. And you know it, it just works, and it, I mean the confidence he gives his guys—that belief is, such... is being reciprocated. Exactly. It's tough to really actually put that, describe this in a words outside of actually just saying that. But the players are going out of their way in these post-game media sessions to say that said belief is being reciprocated, and that has to happen, right? Like you know, it would have been very easy for Brad to sit there and rip. Yabu and say like, listen, you know, you know, you got to be ready when you're called on. You got to know that in a situation you can't foul under two minutes. Like you can't not foul when we. That's the only thing we send you in there to do. And you know, instead he has a little heart to heart with them, goes back to him, shows that belief. I mean, that that goes a long way with players. And I don't think we 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 know and understand that maybe enough that uh, it, it's little things like that 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 it can help you win over your players. And I think guys see that and they respond to that. And especially on a team where you got both so many young guys and so many new faces, I just think just think that goes a long way for Brad Stevens to have won the trust of his guys this quickly. And it goes back really to the Hayward injury, right? Because Hayward goes down, everyone in that locker room thinking was the that same a good thing. thing? No, no, of course not. But it 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 was the it was the moment where that first real adversity hits, and everyone could have checked out at that point, especially Kyrie. 
And but Brad in Brinkman, turn, did it have a galvanizing effect on the team? Actually? Of course, of course. Like okay. they wouldn't have won a. That's what I said. I, it, now looking back on it, looking back on it, both me and you believed that chemistry was going to be a you know could have potentially been an issue for the team coming into the season. I actually compared the Gordon Hayward injury to um, Pearl Harbor last week. I, I thought it had a galvanizing effect on the team the same way so a national tragedy can have a galvanizing effect on a citizenry and, and, and make everyone sort of forget their differences and unite them behind a common cause. I really now firmly believe that thesis. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, so I already won it, you over there with a few words. Thank you very well, much. Well, no, I, I, I'm saying I understand your point that the, that it galvanized them. Of course, even if, if, if Gordon Hayward doesn't get injured, one, they probably win that Cleveland game. Uh, they probably don't. Uh, kick away the lead at home against Milwaukee the next night but I, I agree they probably don't win 11 games and they probably have to find a different situation to bring them together this certainly melded them quicker than than anyone could have imagined and sort of gave them something united to rally around uh that being said if you, you can't tell me that uh unless Gordon finds a way back on the court in, in April or, or or May or whenever that uh that was a good thing but I do think it ha- they found a positive out of it and it's just a as easily could have gone the other way and this thing could have got real dicey really quickly but I mean I that Philly game I mean Brad throwing Jabari Bird in there finding a way to win that that was the first little bit of confidence they had and all of a sudden it snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and now they're sitting there staring at eight po- 18 point leads in Oklahoma and against Charlotte and they're like you know whatever we'll find a way it's amazing how every single player on this team actually has their own definitive highlight game of the season, just with a, with a baker's dozen of a sample size on it. We actually opened and we're going to close the show with Aaron Baines' commentary just to make our Australian fans, Mr. Ricketts, very happy. But he played exceptionally well. Everyone has their game. Baines against the Lakers. Al Horford had that. Uh, was it against the Bucks on TNT? He had a big yeah. game, like something like that. Um, and that I mean, Oklahoma City game where he hit all the threes, him and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyrie, obviously, the fourth quarter against Oklahoma City. I mean, he's in the in the MVP race, but that's sort of his highlight game. Jalen Brown against the Kings was a career game. Jason Tatum, Friday night, uh, really, really going at Cody Zeller. He had a career game against the Knicks. It's amazing how we're this. And what I like is that the kids have had, you know, the kids have been obviously, and I call them the kids, but like Jalen and Jason have had some some big performances early in the season. But the nights that no one else steps up, the nights that everyone else is just, you know, not having it, I, it's been good to see Kyrie and Al be the ones who step up and lead the team because, you know, we kind of figured that was, was how it was going to go, right? Like this team is going to go as far as those two guys can, can take them. But, I mean, like you said, it's been really encouraging to get contributions across the board. I mean, Marcus Morris in that Oklahoma City game, so the guy's on trial. He comes into to camp. He's, he's not in any good shape. His knee's hurting. He takes two weeks to try and get himself ready. Brad's like, all right, he's on a minute restriction. We're not going to start him. Throws him out there in the start of the second half. Like, does everything right. Hits a couple big crazy shots. Like, again, that, that to me, not only is that on the player for, for stepping up in a big situation, but again, it goes back to Brad. Like, I think there's a belie- know, the, the belief system is there. It's impossible for us. It's, I mean, it's, even as close as you are as a beat reporter and has been on the beat as long as you are, and, and let alone someone like me who's completely on the outside. I mean, it is cle- as clear as day that the belief system is here that it is still very hard to actually put into words without just simply stating it as pretty much what it is. And now, at some point, they are going to hit some adversity, and I'll be curious to see how they respond to that. There's going to be some sort of losing streak, especially if, you know, heaven forbid, Kyrie or, or Al miss a lot of time here, even though it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to me to see, you know, how, when the the win streak goes away and when, when things do get a little bit tough, when 
Golden State comes to town and if that game's not competitive, like how does this team respond? And, you know, the early indications are they're a very resilient bunch that, you know, just the kind of group that Brad wants, that they don't, you know, sort of pack it in when things get tough. And that's a really good sign for a young team. And and that's only going to get stronger as the year goes on. Episode number 236 of Celtics Beat with Chris Forsberg is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. Over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. And as one of those 3 million, I confess to never having a more comforting and close shave. Their blades are of the highest quality I've ever seen. And most importantly, you're saving big bucks. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are fed up with buying overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. They bought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade-making experience to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor, selling directly to you over the Internet. You have to give Harry's a try if you haven't already. If you haven't, it is completely risk-free. Claim your free trial offer from Harry's today, $13 value for free. When you sign up, just cover shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover. To get your free trial set, go to harrys.com slash Celtics right now. That's harrys.com slash Celtics. I was going to utilize this show to recap predictions that we threw together in September because remember there wasn't much thinking that was allowed to do that over what the summer as busy as it was. <laughs> I didn't think you did the summer forecast this year. Is that correct? That's right. We just didn't have time. Like no. they, they made 50 moves and it was right. like, okay, it's exactly. Crazy. So, but it, it, we haven't really gotten to the first real checkpoint of the season, which I like to say is Thanksgiving. But nonetheless, the, one of the primary predictions that me and you both made was, and they're probably going to get off to a slow start. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. <yeah. laughs> you know, and, 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 and I actually the other one that I. Uh, my big one was that I thought defensively it was not going to be a very good defensive team. You were yes. a little, uh, you were a little more bullish on that one, and you wrote, well, ex- you wrote extensively about it over the week. Well, and, and here's the thing, I I, I was bullish on it, but Compared without reason. Yeah. Because I, my whole thing was, we thought last year they were going to be super great and the number one defense, and they had all the parts to be an elite defense, and they weren't. They were, you know, this week last year they were 30th in the NBA. And now we fast forward to this year. Everyone says, well, Kyrie, I mean, you lost Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley. There's no way this defense is going to be as good. You blink your eyes and look, they're the number one defense in the league and on pace to be like the best defense in the past 13 years since the Spurs in the early 2000s. Like, especially in the modern NBA, what they're doing is is ridiculous. I mean, it's not just like they're elite guys, too. They don't have Al last night. They don't have really any veteran guys and they hold the Hornets and, and Albeit the Hornets, to three points over I the gotta, first yeah, nine I got to interrupt you, though, but I, I, this is so I think, but let's not underestimate what Al has done defensively. You did a great job pointing out in your piece. The comparison that I can make is pretty much when Kevin Garnett went out of the yeah, lineup of course. in 2009. The culture was there. Listen, Al has been, I, in my opinion, I mean, his concrete skills are, are getting to be a little bit limited. I think his post defense is very average. You still see him give up some, you know, plays in the blocks and slapping his hands. Although I, I was uh, surprised to see that opponents are shooting just like 34. I think you. I think you had this number, Chris. Thirty-four point seven percent against Horford. But you know, you st- you still watch him. He's still not that that elite rim protector. But he is a great middle linebacker, exactly. and that communication not just in the games but practices. So if he goes out for a little bit, you don't really see, you don't you just don't see that transpire as much. Though. 
and and you know so defensively just like I, Garnett I, no nine. Sorry. Exactly. I, I think like you know the way he's directing things, the, the you can just see the comfort level for him this year is that last year he's kind of trying to find his place and he didn't want to step on toes because he was the new guy on a on a very set roster. This year it's like he had to step forward and be that vocal presence. And shout out to Australia again, but Baines has helped that as well. And so you got these two guys you aren't afraid to bark and tell these young guys where to be. And it, like like you said, you can just see the difference this year. It's it, it it's really good. I mean. Al might not be great one on one like you said, and there's I, I do laugh because like he does do that thing where he claps his hands after giving up a bucket. But uh, it, it, his the help he gives so that when like someone does get by Kyrie or, some, or one of the perimeter guys, it's amazing how he steps up to to alter the shot. They've had like probably. I, I can't count how many instances where I, I'm like, all right, well, that's going to be a tough shot. But, you know, last year it seemed like the the, 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 the the opposing guard would muscle that shot in. This year everything's rolling off the rim and they're breaking out the other way. Uh, you know, it's those little things. But Al's been spectacular. I, it, uh, the, the one thing I will say, he's had a little more pop offensively. Not to get too far off target here with the defense, but, you know, he's had a couple explosions at the rim and a couple loud dunks. Like, that's a good sign. Like, as as, as, as his game morphs and as he wants to chuck more threes, it's good to see him not be afraid to put the ball on the ground and have one of those, like, soaring Al slams. Uh, but, again, it, with, with Al, it's all about the defense. I had no clue they were going to be this good. Credit to no Kyrie. One no one did. For, you know, and, and, and as obviously because people are fascinated with Kyrie, we sort of led that story with, with the idea of, like, how in the world did Kyrie go from having this, this reputation of being a disinterested defender who, you know, gambled Motivated. too much? He's, he's ticked off. I mean, let's, exactly. Let's and, and, and it's as simple as that. Brad sits them down before the season and goes, hey, listen, our system's pretty simple. Be in the right spot. You got Al behind you. Make steals when they come your way. But, like, you know, it was as simple as that. He just had to buy into the philosophy and, and credit to Kyrie. He's done that. He's really embraced, like, the team notion and I'll say that, like, the biggest takeaway I've had for, from, from Kyrie over these first games is that there's no I. And now part of that, he got that from LeBron, where, like, LeBron LeBron unintentionally puts the focus on himself all the time. But he does try to, like, you know, pump up his younger guys, try to keep the focus on the team. And Kyrie does that as well. You ask him a question about him, and he spins it immediately to the team. And that younger guys, again, they see that. They hear that. They, that's important to them to know that Kyrie is appreciative of what they're doing. And it, it go, uh, I don't know, man. Like it, it, it blows my mind. I don't know how long they can sustain this level of play on the defensive end, but they've looked really, really good so far. I hope he plays today because in years past, the Raptors uh, took advantage of Isaiah Thomas a lot with those small, small pick and rolls. The big knock on our, uh, Kyrie Irving's uh, defense really is the pick and roll defense being an issue, yet there hasn't been a game that's that's been an issue largely because uh, the Celtics have only lost two games, and those were like almost back in prehistoric times at this point. But just, I mean, overall, you know, they lose Jay Crowder, they lose Avery Bradley. Yet, I think it was you who brought this up, and and I I felt this way too because I remember when they inserting Jalen Brown in in the starting lineup even before the season. They're just longer, they're just more athletic, and they have incredible versatility. You know, we're gonna shout the Aussies again. Aaron Baines as a bruiser is something they didn't have. They have. (laughs) Different types of defenders. They have length. They have bruiser defenders, not just down low with Baines, but even guys, you know, smart. Hello, Marcus Smart. There we go, naming defense. Um, do I even have to throw Semi Ojale out there only because that's a Mike Rotundi shout-out because in the preseason he played one game. He comes to me, Mike, uh, comes to me at the old sandwich golf outing when I, the day I saw you and says, you got to watch out for Semi Ojale this year. I was like, hold on, Mike, it's a, it's one preseason game, dude. But he, <laughs> I mean, about, he is giving a component that – 
they don't have. And, and you're exactly right, and I think that's a big thing. It goes back to it, right? Be great in your role. Shemi Ojale sits there and doesn't play a whole lot early in the season, and the two minutes that he does get called on, Brad's like, go guard LeBron, go guard Giannis, and then Giannis tries to drive on him and bounces off of him like he's a brick wall. Like, Shemi has a discernible skill set that Brad Stevens can say, you know what, we need this right now, in you go. And then he started hitting shots, and now his minutes are expanding, and, well, because of attrition, he has to play too. But, like... They've, they, they, I, I swear, with this roster especially, they targeted, like, what are the flaws of this team and how can we mitigate them? And their drafting filled a lot of needs in terms of, like, you know, Tatum was, was obviously they needed more size and length and, and scoring ability. Um, did we know that he was going to be this much better than Markel Fultz, like, at least in the infancy? I don't think so. But, like, you know, they, he, ha- he clearly fit better in what terms of what they needed, even before all this roster overhaul started taking place. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the stat I loved was that they've grown a foot on the starting lineup. You go from IT, Crowder, and uh, who am I, Miss Avery, and to Jalen, Jason, and Kyrie, you're a foot bigger. That's a whole lot. That makes entry passes more difficult. That makes more tips and deflections. And you're, you're scrambling everywhere. Uh, just having Jalen's size at the two makes it a lot more difficult for teams to take advantage of those switches and those mismatches like they did last season. And that takes nothing away. Avery is still a tenacious on-ball defender, I think, you know, even as, as much as Crowder yeah, is Yeah, let's honestly, of- let's cut right to the chase here, Chris. I mean, let's uh, we're obviously almost afraid to bring it up because it's it's it could be viewed as kicking someone while he's down. You should have appreciated him when he was here. He's no longer here anymore. But I'm sorry. No, Isaiah Thomas is huge. That's why it's, I really want to see Kyrie Irving play today against Toronto because Toronto was notorious in years past, going small, small, pick and roll, DeRo- getting DeRozan on Isaiah Thomas late in the game, and they just ate him up alive. But no Isaiah in the starting lineup is, I think, really making a, a huge impact for the defense, not just the, the, with the pick and rolls, but the big guys that they had last year, Horford, Kelly Olenek when he was in. They, um, you know, Kelly Olenek's no longer here, but I mean, Horford can completely pay attention to their man around the rim. They can play middle linebacker. They don't have to have constantly one step always on Isaiah Thomas's guy. And not only that, the train of thought in a complete another direction. Yeah, I, and I'm with you. Like, listen, I, I was the biggest IT apologist because I felt like he really did try on defense. But ultimately, it came down to that a 5'9 guy in a league of giants. Do or do is, not, there was no try. It's a mismatch. It's like it, – like, it's unfortunate, and like, listen, I, Isaiah made up for it last season with the way he played offensively. They don't do any of the stuff they do without the way he played. Uh, and it, it, I, sw- you know, this isn't hindsight. This is just, you know, I didn't realize until we see how this team is comprised, maybe how much of a factor it was, and maybe it was more obvious to the coaching staff, and you know, clearly it was more obvious to Danny Ainge to to make that change. But um, yeah, like it's just different now, and it it, it it's translated now. They. This is the defense we expected last year, and they're just better equipped to be an elite defense now. What's amazing, too, I'm going to shift gears from this awesome defense to the recently struggling offense, which is conveniently and not coincidentally began to struggle the second Al Horford stepped out of the starting lineup. I thought there was a Celtics roundtable that aired on the CLNS Media YouTube channel right after the Lakers game. Keith Smith and Evan Valenti, they, they really did a great job nailing this you know as good as Al Horford as important he has been for the team defense Al Horford I think is as as Evan and Keith argued tremendously well is 
probably even more so important to the offense. You saw it in the Lakers game. You actually saw it Friday night against Charlotte. They brought this up on roundtable. There's just too much thinking right now without Al Horford there. Al is the point man of the offense. The the entire offense not only sort of flows through him with a big man moving the ball, but now it's just about guys identifying a mismatch. There's no floor spacing. It's taking a major hit. And as we know, Stevens' offense and Kyrie, we, we didn't see it Friday because he didn't play, but you know, Kyrie being able to do what Kyrie can do is all predicated upon it. Exactly. And that, I mean, just, I, I didn't know how, I, I'm amazed at how good the Kyrie Al pick and roll has been. Um, just like they work together like they've been doing this for years. I have. I don't want to give the guy's name a shout out because I don't exactly love him to death, but I have heard a Stockton and Malone reference. <laughs> it's in, yeah. how uh, Boston. I, I, I'm just amazed, and it was Zach Lowe. He had a great column. You can you can shout him out. It was the I didn't know how long that chemistry would take, and I thought that would take longer. And but you know what was funny was I was talking to Al before the season, and just sort of like. You know, because in the preseason they didn't always look crisp, right? Especially when the big three was out there, it was like they were still oh, kind of figuring think they things out good at all. That's why I, I I figured the slow start and yeah, they did exactly. So so, but but you could just see like as soon as you brought up it, like Kyrie's name, he's like, you know, he lit up because he he knew he knew that there was something there that the, that they could play very well together. That that especially but even before Gordon went down, that the three of them could really play off each other and and bring out each other's strengths. Um, I do agree. Like the biggest issue that I see with this team moving forward is when Kyrie has those nights where the, the defense really takes him away and when Al doesn't hit every three-pointer he puts up where does the scoring come from and that's why you know as, as, as much as I don't think they'll rush to use this disabled player exception I do wonder if there's if, if some sort of score becomes available that can help you you know if they'll have to sort of think about it just because you know they need that one more consistent scorer who can get who can create on their own who can give you a burst when this team just doesn't have it because i don't know if they have that guy right now like rozier can come in and nate robinson 2010 i mean i i mean how, how ironic that we, we we pick out the, the shortest guy in the league but you know they, they do need somebody that just can come in and give you a little bit right now and like jason tatum and, and jalen brown you know they're going to have nights where they just don't have it. They didn't have it the other night against the the Hornets, but you know they came up with big shots late. You still need someone in that middle gap. It's not Marcus Smart. You know Shane Lark is not going to give you 16 points consistently. Uh, that's a, that's a little bit of a trouble spot for them right now. It's not as big of a deal when they're healthy, but let's face it. You know Gordon Hayward's obviously not coming back. It, they've got to figure out a way to be a consistent offense. Uh, that Lakers game, they found a way feeding Baines. Shout out Australia. Uh, to to get those points, but you know, how do you find that on a more consistent basis? I think that's maybe the biggest glaring need uh, from the early season, in my view. And that is the most. I think that's one of the most obtainable things that you can get on the open market, the trade market during the NBA season. I think it's like getting a left-handed reliever at the middle of the baseball season. It isn't like say in years past when the Celtics have gotten smashed on you know the, the boards, and it's oh my goodness, they're going to have to get uh, someone to rebound. Those guys are are not uh, in surplus, and now all of a sudden because a little bit of a renaissance out there. I mean, there's so many superlatives that I actually can't even get to on this episode. Rebounding something that we all completely wrote off. As, Unreal. As, as Unreal. Death, you know, taxes. But uh, the bench, listen, I could they – yes, obviously they could use sort of that Nate Robinson 2010 type, just, you know, something who can come in and out of nowhere give you 20 points. Rozier, just not consistent enough. Although, I mean, he has been – He's been good. He's been very good. Uh, but – 
There, I think there are going to be a lot of questions going forward in the playoffs. You know, as well as Jason Tatum has played, I hate to throw cold water on this. He's shooting 50%, something like that, from three. That obviously cannot continue. And he's still, I think, what is he, 19 or 20? Yeah, there is there there is very well can be a rookie wall. They they don't play the eighty games and they are playing heavy minutes right now. I could see a second half slip, but just based out of you know stamina and everything. It, happen, I, it happens to every rookie, right? Mm-hmm. So let me throw this at you because like, and I know it's the big. I don't think they'll do it, but it's always the the name that we'll default to because. Uh, but but Okafor, he's got a clear skill set to score. If Philly offered him for I'm, I'm a even, second I'm, pick, I'm, I mean, you know, actually, I'm not. To, I just haven't talked about it. I haven't thought about it, believe it or not. And I've gotten so many messages on Twitter like. What about Okafor? The problem is those messages have just... And I've been, like, really bad at responding to people on Twitter, so that's not exactly a good shout-out for me to say, hey, follow me on Twitter, because I'll probably not respond to you. Um, yeah, only if you only respond about if they're Australian. Yeah, I have not thought too much about Okafor, believe it or not, so... But you're just, in general, you just think, like, whatever the best available score is by, you know, whatever. Whatever becomes a real issue, right, by, like, February. I'll trust Danny Ainge at this point, who is, you're talking about how just hand coach of the year to Brad Stevens, I think, an even bigger lock of Danny Ainge as executive of the year. I mean, this, when you look at this this roster, we're talking about the versatility on the defensive end. I even say, I look at this bench, which I thought was just a mismatch of just blah coming into the year. I was as bearish <laughs> as Marcus Morris on anyone. Now, I think Marcus Morris could, could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and I'd still say Marcus Morris, he's contributed this year. He's given me so much more than I than I thought that he already has. In a way, it actually reminds me of 2008. We came in, if you recall, we as fans, we came into that season kind of like, well, they got this great uh, starting five, yes, or they have, the, so they have the great top, but the bench is really going to be an issue. And then by March, it was like, out of nowhere, it just developed into the deepest bench in the entire league. I actually feel like this is not going to be evolving into that, but that evolutionary process is there the way it was in 08, where, I mean, it's just fun, not just deep, but is infinitely more versatile than we ever thought it'd be. Again, it goes back to it. They each have some sort of skill set that Brad can call on in a pinch. And, and he knows how to use it. It, 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 it. How can, like, you can look at Sammy and go, okay, go defend this guy. He can look at Larkin and say, hey, we need some ball handling. In that Phil Pressy sort of world, just go give us a spark. Uh, like, when, when Bragg has something he can latch on to with these guys, he's fearless to throw them out there. And, again, it, it goes back to the confidence. He, he, he's not asking them to go out there and win them the game. He's just going, asking them to go in there and do what they do. Uh, they still have to find the right blend, and I think you know that's all, that's going to always be an issue, especially as guys have to come up and play in the starting lineup, and your depth is eroded. But um, yeah, I mean, like I I still don't think their bench is great. I think they you know the guys have stepped up, and like let's face it, again, seven guys last night, almost all of them were were uh, the rookies were all coming off the bench. So uh, besides Tatum, so it, it, you got to give them credit. Like I think the bench will be better in three months, and but they're still giving you something now, and that's been important on this whole streak. Cut to the chase. Give me a percentage of them winning the Eastern Conference. <sighs> Let's say... I think they're going to... I mean, listen, they're on... I mean, the projection now is like 60-something wins. I was gonna, because okay, of, I was going to say like 65%. I mean, I would, I would put it even higher just because e- things will normalize and the Cavs will surge, and but like... You look around the East. I mean, do you sit there and really worry that like the the Raptors or the Wizards are going to make this? You know, are they going to push fifty five wins or whatever? So, even what, though the Celtics' win total will come back to earth after this streak finally snaps, well, I don't just, care about the win total. I'm already asking you about June. I'm and I, I'm I'm with you. I I'm curious to get a look at what Cleveland is capable of. 
when they have Isaiah Thomas and when they're not like wanting to fight each other and when LeBron GM LeBron makes the move and like ships Dwayne Wade out to get a to get a real uh, ca- uh, supporting cast. But I, I'm not ready to say that the Celtics are definitively going to to beat the Cavs. But I do think like I think we can confidently say like if the Celtics made all these moves this summer with the idea of that series will be more competitive against the Cavs with this roster. And even though they don't have one of their stars, unless Gordon Hayward somehow, you know, limps onto the court there in May and, and, and gives them a boost. But I do think they are better equipped. Uh, part of that is the Cavs have come back to earth a little bit. And part of that is the Celtics just have better personnel. And, and when they play to their abilities, are a better team. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I think it's still a coin flip. I'm maybe closer to 50-50 on they can win the East. But, hey, that's a better chance than they had last year. So you went actually from I think you're higher than 65% then after all that explaining you did, you went back to 55%, Chris. But that's Chris Forsberg for you in a nutshell. (laughs) I'm actually signing you out on that. Let's go to Aaron Baines. We didn't live within our game and control the tempo. So um, when we we were able to control it, though, we we started looking good. But um, as, as has been the case for most of the year, our defense is what really kept us in this game. Episode number 236 of Celtics Beat was presented by our sponsor, Harry's Razors. Go to harrys.com slash Celtics for a free trial set of Harry's products by just covering shipping. Music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Grateau. For today's guest, ESPN's Chris Forsberg, graphic designer Scott Dillon, founder of the network Nick Gelso, this is Larry A. Trussell, the executive producer and host, signing off for Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Media.